Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access Podcast. Once again, from our brand new setup in the Masson Web Studio, Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Of course, subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Please be subscribed to the Masson All Access Podcast. Amy, first time and the new setup. What are your thoughts? I know. I don't know. It's a little tight back here, yeah. but we're going to make it work. Literally um, put Bobby and Amy in the corner. I'm excited to like jazz this up a little bit we have mm -hmm. a few ideas we're yep. just waiting to get those cleared but i yep. think once we we spice it up a little bit it's gonna be cool so this is cool yeah so you actually were in jury duty last week this is why yes. you were no longer on the pot how did that experience go well not too exciting i was like looking forward to it looking forward to actually getting to serve on a jury getting called nothing boo boring <laughs> um and i'm getting called back in february really yeah, really I called i got called like a month ago this past week, and then again in February. So maybe February is my time. I get to serve on an actual jury. Yeah. Huh. Um, weird. I think that's January. That, I thought once you, like, even if you're not called, you're, like, good for X amount of years. I thought, but I think it's just random, and I don't know. That's weird. It was, like, numbers, da-da-da, through huh. da-da-da. I did mine last summer, and um, I didn't did have to do anything. No, I, no. I sat around all morning. I got... You know, they give you what, like 15 bucks for your time yeah. and, and lunch. Um, but then I think I'm good for like a next, like really? I'm still registered in Montgomery County. Yeah, I'm registered in Hagerstown. Yeah, at home, so, so I don't know, maybe they're just different timings and stuff like that, or yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so Brendan Mortensen filled in wonderfully, by Thank the way. Thank you, Brendan. Last um, minute. Came in to save the day. Brendan's so thanks, working Brendan. the board today behind the scenes, but he was in front of the camera and the mic yesterday. And so my, my, I bring this up because if you're watching us on the Facebook page and YouTube channel, Brendan and I last week each wore blue yeah, with the red, nice black. Yeah. So I'm wondering now if we're now we're both wearing red with the red lighting background. How does that look on screen? I does think it, it looks pretty good. Does it? Yeah. I we don't look too much like we're blending into the wall. I don't think, right? right? Like, no, I don't think. And like you said, once we get some more decorations up here, we added the additions of bobbleheads to our small table. Um, I think once we jazz it up a little bit, it'll hopefully yeah. by like Christmas time, we'll have a little more decorations. Yeah, so that'll we'll be, 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 we could put like, you know, during the holidays, we can put like lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little tree in the background. I mean, like a fig tree. It's not too hot back there. That's that'd, a good idea. That'd be kind of festive. Yeah, maybe we'll put that wow, in there. That's the, a good idea, see if, I mean, I got. I think I have a couple of little little trees I can bring decorations. in. Decorations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're excited to be in the new setup. Um, it's we got these great mics. We've you know we got our own space, and now we have a very clear definition between the podcast and all access and everything from our studio. So uh, be sure to tune in live every single week, one o'clock on Wednesdays on the Mass Nationals Facebook page yep. and YouTube channel for the Mass and All Access podcast. Uh, before we get into the national stuff, the World Series is over. Astros win in six. Big. Uh, congratulations to Dusty Baker, former Nationals. I know a lot of Nationals fans still hold Dusty in a special place in, places in their hearts. Um, that was, they, you know, the first three games when the Phillies went up 2-1, it was, in a, you know, it, 
especially the way that game three went. They think they won like seven nothing, right. hit all those home runs. You kind of get that feeling like, oh boy. And then the rain out, everyone was thinking that the rain out would have helped the Phillies pitching staff. Um, but then the Astros, everyone's been saying they just were inevitable this season and come back to win the World Series uh, four, uh, four games to two. Yeah, an exciting fight by the Phillies. I mean, really every game was pretty exciting for, for different reasons. All those home runs, the no-hitter, the com- mm-hmm. I mean, the combined no-hitter, uh, which was really exciting. So every game was really exciting, uh, an exciting World Series, which is always what we wanted all along, just something competitive. Of course, a big congrats to Dusty Baker. I th- think um, that's like the big storyline. Everybody's so excited about that. And of course, Trey Mancini, yep. that's another big storyline. That's what I'm seeing all over Twitter and social media. Those are the two big names that people are really happy for, even if you're not an Astros fan. Yeah, of course, uh, Trey Mancini, comeback player of the year, everything he's gone through in his personal life um, and locally here too. And I mean, I know he played in Baltimore, but I mean, he, his impact and his story, of course, reached all corners of the country, yep. um, especially here in the DMV area. So, you know, hard guy not to root for. Happy for him. Um, and our former co-worker, Sarah Parman, yeah. his fiance. So it was great uh, to see him celebrate. Uh, saw a lot of pictures from the parade yesterday. Brings back memories from 2019. Know, and, yeah. you know, we go, I always think about like, because the Nationals parade was like, the last time. I was going to say, this is the first parade really since then. Yeah, right? and like baseball. Parade, yeah. yeah, I guess uh, the Dodgers didn't have one in 2020. Still pretty COVID times. And then last year, did the Braves have one? They might have the had Bra- one, actually. Braves might have had one. Um, but yeah, so congratulations like, to the yeah. Astros. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about, you know, is everyone's like... You're either for the Astros or like you're you're over it or you're like nope they're still cheaters in my mind. I, to me like this is that was legitimate. I mean oh, there's no. no way. They're so talented. Yeah. Um you know so many new players, so many of those guys on that team yeah. are gone. Mm-hmm. Um I mean that a rookie win ALCS and right. World Series MVP. Exactly. So they want it yeah. fair and square. Yeah. Um I think that still is in the back of everybody's mind. I think so. I mean it it's going to be hard to let go. Yeah. It, 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 will, it will until all those players are like long and retired, yeah. long gone out out of the game. It was always going to kind of hover over that franchise, unfortunately. But that was as legitimate. They're by far the most talented easily. team. Yeah, they deserve to win. Yeah. So yeah, and they had a great. I mean, they lost two games in the entire postseason. Exactly, and they didn't come into the World Series. Exactly. So congratulations to them and their fans. Um, but that kicks off officially the offseason now, and uh, we saw the Nationals make a couple of moves right from the get go on Sunday, the first official day of the offseason. Um, they re-signed Sean Doolittle to a a minor league deal with an invitation to major league spring training, and they officially declined Nelson Cruz's. Uh, mutual option, $16 million option for 2023. Both of those moves were expected, Amy, exactly, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think we expected the, the mutual option had to be done within a certain amount of time. Maybe we weren't going to see Doolittle, and I think he even talked during the season, he wasn't expecting this to happen until later in the offseason, but th- literally their first order of business was bringing back Sean Doolittle. Um, and like I said, I think that was an expected move at some point in the offseason. I just wasn't expecting it like the very first day. Right, exactly. I mean, I think we thought Nelson Cruz, that news would come pretty soon. We know they were going to um, decline that option and everybody expected it. You know, that makes sense for that to come right off the bat, you know. But I think I 
Sean Doolittle would agree that he was going to thought he might have to wait it out through the winter time and see if there were, you know, other teams calling or what the Nationals were going to do. And, you know, it's it's a minor league deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a minor league contract. It doesn't hurt. He's been rehabbing with the team. He had that internal brace surgery this offseason. Um, by September, he was already really far along with his rehab. It's like an alternate to Tommy John, just yep. less invasive. So, you know, he opted for that. And in his short stint with the Nationals before he got injured this year, he found some success. Yeah, he was 36 years old this year. He'll be 36 years old at the beginning of next season. Um, he signed to a $1.5 million major league contract this past spring once the lockout ended and free agency opened back up. Um, you, you mentioned it. He was great. I mean, it was a short amount of time. It was only six games, but he pitched five and a third scoreless innings, and he struck out six and didn't walk anybody. Um, and so he was a very effective reliever for the Nationals and we, we kind of saw the, that small sample size, yes, but we kind of saw the old Sean Doolittle exactly. from 2019 and 2018-17 uh, those first couple of years he was here with the Nationals and when he went down, that was a big hit because he was not only the most reliable, but pretty much the only lefty in that bullpen. And the big question mark was how are the Nationals going to, you know, it's not that big of a deal anymore because of the three batter minimum for mm-hmm. relief pitchers, but you still would like to see some guys uh, pitch um, left-handed, you know, to go against batters who aren't as strong left. Especially you look in the division, like you guys got like Bryce Harper's and uh, all those power bats that can hit lefties. So um, that was a big blow to this Nationals bullpen, even though the bullpen ended up being, we talked about it many times, ended up being the strongest point. You kind of just wonder how the bullpen would have been if Sean were healthy the entire season. Um, But you mentioned the procedure, less invasive, like pretty much cuts the timeline recovery in half for Tommy John. He said he was feeling better uh, near the end of the year. He even talked about throwing off a mound at some point it kind of creeped back up on him so they decided to shut it down mm-hmm. uh, but he should be full go by spring training and they're expecting him to compete for a, a, ro- a roster spot in this bullpen right retired 16 of the 17 batters he faced in those six games and you mentioned he's a lefty that's something the nationals need in this bullpen plus he has his veteran presence and we right. talk about that a lot with guys but that's something you're going to hear a lot with any team when they're rebuilding the type of guys that they're bringing back, especially on minor league deals, just kind of giving them a chance to compete for a roster spot in spring training. It's going to be those veteran guys um, who are maybe, you know, hoping to have a bounce back year or just somebody that the nationals want that familiar face. And there's an argument to be made that maybe the nationals, like maybe it's time to move on from Sean Doolittle or some of these guys that they keep bringing back because they're familiar faces. Um, But you can't argue the success he had in those six games he played this season. Plus, he is a familiar face. He's a lefty. You know, there's something there. It's not just your average bringing back a guy, give him one more shot, you know? We got to talk about this when he re-signed this past spring and maybe even going into 2020 before he signed with the Reds. But, like, it just makes so much sense on so many levels outside of a need and a fit because, you know, Sean and his wife, Aaron, now live full-time in D.C. They have made D.C. their home, you know? He he played this year for them, got hurt, and has been rehabbing with them. You can say no team out there right now knows Sean Doolittle and his health history now better than the Nationals. So they can formulate a plan for recovery. They are familiar with how he is going along in his recovery and his uh, rehab. So they have the most information than any other team right there on the free agent market. And like you said, it's kind of a low-cost, high-reward type thing because if you get what you 
got over six games from Sean Doolittle, but over a healthy season, that's going to be a very effective reliever for you. Right. And I'm not sure how much room, you know, Mike Rizzo has to realistically work right now, you know, in signing free agents and adding guys to this bullpen where Sean Doolittle's right here. He's right in front of your face. That's an easy move to make um, for the Nationals, given the ownership situation right now um, as they're trying to add and continue the success that the bullpen finally found yeah. through this past season. Yeah. And then the good signs and we'll, the one sign I'll be looking for in spring training, I know it's going to be a long spring training. You also have the world baseball classic. So That's schedules are going to be changed around a lot, but you know, Sean Doolittle's fastball velocity. That was the big issue back going back to 2020 when he, re, when he was back with the nationals. I mean, that was his bread and butter between 17 and 19, how he got so much success, that high fastball in the upper 90s, that velocity dipped down so much in 2020. Um, and then also in 2021, when he was with the Reds and Mariners, this past season, again, small sample size, but it was up there. And then that was the kind of fastball we got used to seeing from Sean Doodle. The injury, of right. course, derailed the season, but if we can reestablish that velocity in spring training, I think that's a good sign that Doolittle will be back healthy and can hopefully have at least a couple more good years left in him before, you know, his career comes down to an end. Yeah. And you saw it in his last stint with the nationals. I mean, he was a guy that could eat a lot of innings for Davey Martinez. So hopefully if he can get back to as healthy as he was in early 2019, you know, he can do that same fill in that same kind of role for, for Davey. And he's a back end arm that if he's pitching well, Davey can trust. I mean, cause you yeah. look at the rest of the, back end arms that are supposed to be there. Tanner Rainey, Tommy John surgery, he might be out all of next season or not mm -hmm. back until at least the second half. Um, Will Harris, his contract is up. Of course, he didn't pitch very much, but that's a bullpen arm that was supposed to be relied on. Steve Shishek, he's probably going to be, a, we'll talk about him in a couple minutes too, but yep. he'll be, he's going to be a free agent and probably not returning. So you're looking really only at Carl Edwards Jr. and Kyle Finnegan currently on the active roster going into next year, who is going to be trusted back end bullpen arms. You're going to need more than that. Hopefully, Doolittle can step up and fill that role if he's healthy. Especially, you know, given how we know the starting rotation pitch this right, year, right. the Nationals don't go out and sign you know maybe a middle of the row uh starter they're really going to need some reliable arms in this bullpen uh to, to eat up some innings and like just from like a fan standpoint like we talked a little bit about this before when the nationals started this rebuild but like there is something i think to be said about bringing in fan favorites now i don't think that the nationals should be like tied to the hip to sean doolittle for the rest of his career or you know just keep giving him chance and chance and chance no matter what if he can't pitch you gotta cut ties but you know obviously the fans love him obviously the fans and the team have great memories with sean doolittle help them win a world series you know the state where the nationals are right now as a team as an organization there is no real harm in bringing him back at this point the Best case scenario is he's one of your most trusted bullpen arms and continues to be a fan favorite. Worst case scenario, he's still living locally in D.C. and maybe joins the coaching staff at some point or something like that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there they are like, you know, come on, let's move on. Mm -hmm. Like, Sean Dillo came back. He got hurt right away. There's so much injury history, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he pitched well this year. Yeah. If he would have come back and just pitched terrible and then got hurt, it would have been a little bit yeah. more like, come on. But you know, in years like this, you need a fan favorite. Like, yeah. you need something to kind of get excited about. And Sean, Sean Doolittle's, Doolittle's kind of, you know, filling in that role. Plus, he did pitch well when he came back right. before he got hurt. So I think that helps his case. Um, and he is a fan favorite. I mean, you got to get a little right. bit excited. Yeah. I did, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's, a like, like you said, great president of the clubhouse. He's great with the media. I mean, how long did he hold court talking 
during the trade deadline. Right. right. I mean, when nobody else will talk in the clubhouse, Sean Doolittle will always yes. talk about anything, right. about anyone. Um, he always, you know, steps up and does And he that. is always a great quote, and he yeah. tells you how it is. So that's mm -hmm. great. And, and like I said, there is a need for him. And, you know, it's not like he's going to be blocking any young pitchers. You're still going to get innings from Jordan Weems, from Hunter Harvey, from Mason Thompson. Those guys are still going to pitch. Exactly. Um, there's not, like, there's not anyone he's, like, blocking. He hasn't also made the team yet. So it's like there's no need to stress that, like, well, he's blocking it. Well, he's still in a minor league deal. So he has to earn his way onto the roster right. first before he, we start talking about, all right, whose spot is he taking, especially if he's not pitching well. But that's not the case right now. So yeah, and I think, he's not blocking anybody. Yeah, and we're going to see that with, like, quite a few guys, I'm sure, will sign to minor yeah. league contracts, you know, have a chance at spring training. But you can't even get really – bothered about it because yeah. they didn't even make the team yet yeah so we'll be talking about um some of the other now free agents from the nationals roster and whether or not um, it makes sense to bring them back um where they else could they find fits homes but first let's talk about nelson cruz we have talked about a little bit about him already this off season but it became official they declined his uh 16 million dollar option for 2023 instead choosing to pay the three million dollar buyout nelson cruz makes a collective 15 million dollars for his one season in washington and it was a disappointing season and that's not we talked about it. we don't have to go too too deep because we've already yeah. discussed this a bunch but this is not how either side saw this season going and unfortunately and to Nelson Cruz's time in Washington. Yeah, he was the Nationals' first official DH. You thought he were going to come in. Uh, he was going to hit a ton of home runs. Uh, you are going to be able to, to flip him at the deadline. Only hit 10 home runs all season. They weren't able to do that. Um, you know, kind of a bust of $15 million. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And yep. They're hit, just going to have to eat it and move on. Hit 234, 651 OPS, minus 0 0.8 Fangraph war. Uh, point two baseball reference war, if that makes any difference for you. Um, now, he did have that a bunch of nagging injuries, ailments throughout the course of this season. He got sick in Miami one time. His neck and his back some kind of was bothering him. And then at the end of the season, his eye, he couldn't see. And the, right. it was almost too dangerous to play him because he can't see pitches. Yeah, usually you want to see. Yeah. And then he tweeted out after, the, I think, a couple of weeks ago that he had eye surgery. It was a success. And he mentioned at the end of the season he wants to keep playing. Now, that's not going to be in Washington anymore, I don't think. I, I don't see a, a, a marriage there, especially with Luke Voigt probably being the full-time DH now moving forward with Joey Manessas at first base. But you're going to probably see the 42-year-old Nelson Cruz sign some kind of deal elsewhere and try to give another go next year. Um Somebody you know. will be able to get him for a little bit cheaper. Right. And now, it, will it be heartbreaking to see him have a successful campaign next year after a rough year this year? Sure. You could have been like, well, why couldn't he do that here? But that's just the way it goes out sometimes. Um, but it doesn't sound like Nelson Cruz plans on retiring anytime soon. No. And, you know, who knows? I mean, a lot of, you know, maybe it was something with his eye. He was able to figure it out and he'll figure it out next season, kind of have a bounce back year. And it kind of works out for whatever team gets him because – they really might be able to get him for a little bit cheaper and then be able to flip him, um, and it'll work out the way the Nationals wished yeah. it would have this right. year. Um, okay, so yeah, like I said, we talked a lot about Nelson Cruz before. We won't go too much into that. If you need a full rundown, of course, check out massasports.com um, or check out our other podcasts. You can listen back to those. But we want to talk about the other... So the Nationals had eight total free agents. There's six other guys we want to talk about who are now officially free agents. Um so the World Series ended Saturday. The Nationals now have until Thursday 
to negotiate with these guys um, and possibly bring them back. Mm-hmm. Other after Thursday, they hit the open market and everyone. It's just a free for all, like a normal free agency happens, which is a good thing. Um, so right now, the Nationals are can be exclusively in talks with Steve Shishek, Will Harris, Cesar Hernandez, Erasmo Ramirez, Joe Ross, and Anibal Sanchez. We want to touch on uh, all six of these guys for a little bit. Let's start with Shishek, 36-year-old right-handed reliever. He was one of their major free agent signings outside of Nelson Cruz this past offseason. Their big bullpen addition, one-year deal, $1.75 million. Ups and downs a year for Steve Shishak. Uh, we talked about him when we reviewed um, uh, the pitchings at the end, of the pitching staff at the end of the year, and uh, the relievers. Um, I, I think we kind of agreed that it was kind of a bust year for him. He was expected to play a, a better role, and down the stretch, he was more so pitching in non-high leverage situations. Um, but do you see a reunion with Shishak? I don't really see it at this point. That age and the, the production they got this yeah, past season. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. I think outside of Nelson Cruz, this was probably the most disappointing free agent signing that the Nationals signed last offseason. He hit 13 batters in 66 innings. That was the sixth most in all of Major League Baseball. He had a few good outings where you thought maybe he was going to come on. Um, but outside of that, there were a lot of really bad outings. And, you know, you thought he was going to be this veteran presence. Maybe he was going to have a bounce back year. He wasn't able to do it. Um, it just doesn't make sense with both his age and his production. He did have the veteran presence. I mean, like he was, True. especially when Doolittle was out and no longer in that clubhouse for, you know, a short amount of time when he was rehabbing. There was times where Steve Ciszek would talk. And you, you mentioned the hit batters, 13, six most in the majors. The top five were all starting pitchers, and he was the only reliever. Not a great sign, because obviously right. they pitch a lot more innings. Um, but he never shied away from that. I mean, he always said, I, I can't hit batters, obviously. So, like, there was that veteran presence element to Shishek in the, uh, in, the, in the clubhouse. And a lot of the younger pitchers mentioned him, you know, just off the cuff when they're talking about some of the older guys that they would talk to. Uh, Steve himself mentioned, you know, mentoring some of the younger guys. So there was that aspect, but you're right on the on-field aspect. Wasn't great. Minus 0.3 fan graph war for um, Steve Shishek, 4.85 fielding independent pitching to go along with his 421 ERA. Um, and then, yeah, the 13 hit batters, um, a 1221 whip for Shishek as well. Just not a strong year. You figure he's going to try to maybe he might have to go, you know, the Doolittle route and try to sign a minor league deal somewhere else and, and work his way back onto a major league roster. I don't know a major league team that would take Shishek at that age with these numbers from this past season and give him a major league deal. Yeah, it's not like they're going to get or bring back any big name relievers this offseason, but they do need guys who are at least half reliable and can eat up innings. And you couldn't put Steve Shishek out there oftentimes because he was so right. unreliable and you didn't know what you were going to get. Um so it just doesn't make sense. It was sense. erratic. He, yeah. he was oftentimes erratic. There yeah. were a couple of times where it, he was able to string together a couple of innings, and you were like, all right, this is the guy that they signed, but then it would sometimes kind of fall apart. Exactly. So you're right, probably behind Cruz, probably the biggest bust from this past offseason. Um, I mean, I guess technically Doolittle signed a major league deal too, and him only pitching six games, you can mention that as a bust, but that's yeah. different being, you know, Injury almost having needing Tommy John versus pitching the whole season and being ineffective. Right, that's true. Um, but speaking of major league or you know major contracts, let's move on to Will Harris. And I'm I'm sure people out there are thinking, why even bother mentioning him? <laughs> forgot well, about him. <laughs> I forgot exactly. I mean, how could you? Because he he pitched a total of what thirty six games? No, twenty eight games. 
28 games with the Nationals over three season. Remember, after the 2019 World Series, of course, he gave up a couple home runs uh, as a member of the Astros in that series as the Nationals won it. But he then signed a three-year, $24 million deal uh, before the 2020 season at 36 years old. Mike Rizzo taking a chance on a on a veteran pitcher who, granted, was a very good pitcher in 2019 with the Astros. Um to try to kind of shore up that back end of the bullpen. This is back when they were still trying to compete. But then again, the injuries hit him, and he only pitched in 28 games over those three seasons. Didn't appear in a single game, I don't think, this past year, did no, he? No, he didn't. Uh, looking back on the contract, that's a bust of a contract. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you couldn't hate it. I mean, you, you, you could question it. Yeah, you could question it. But he, you know, pitched against you in the World Series. You know what he was capable of. Three-year contract, like, if they were going to sign any reliever, you know, to that kind of contract, it kind of made sense. I didn't hate it at the time. But looking back, it's just another bigger contract for a pitcher that didn't even pitch in one of the three seasons that you signed him to. Yeah, I guess I mean, a lot of things happened and a lot of things that were out of Will Harris's control. Of yeah. course, the 2020 pandemic season. And then, you know, he had injuries all of 2021, too. Didn't really know what it was. And then this year we find out it's thoracic outlet syndrome. And that might derail his entire career. Now, the question is not not whether Will Harris will come back with the Nationals. It's probably undoubtedly no. But will he ever pitch again? Because we just don't know. Right. At his age, the recovery for this particular... I mean, we're talking about Steven Strasburg and Cole Henry possibly never pitching again. And they're much younger than Will Harris. So he's had his career kind of derailed by this. I think it was fair to question the years given to a 36 year old pitcher back then but you're right like I mean he was an effective pitcher and I think at the time of the signing you're thinking all right if we can get two at least two solid years out of him maybe the third year he kind of falls um down a little bit in terms of production but if you get two solid seasons out of him that makes it kind of worth it this is also back when I'm trying to compete still right and you just didn't get anything from him and to being close to meriting that contract. And at least that's what makes a little bit of a difference is they were coming off of winning the World Series True. and they signed him to this contract. Like you were hoping that you could still compete. You weren't sure about the fate of the Max Scherzer, you know, everybody else um, in their future. So you can kind of live with it a little bit more. Whereas if this would have happened a year ago, mm -hmm. um, you would have felt a little bit worse about it. But this is another one of those contracts that the Nationals have to get out of their system if they want to be competitive yeah. over long-term moving forward. These things can't happen. Definitely different scenarios or like situations for the club because you know you're like you said coming off right. a World Series win, you're expecting to be competitive for the next season or two. Twenty twenty throws everything off, and then now you're going into twenty twenty one, and you decide to do this rebuild versus Nelson Cruz's contract. You know yeah. you're going into this rebuild year. You're just hoping you can flip them for that amount of money. Yeah. It doesn't work out. It looks a little bit worse. I, I think like after like a team winning, just winning the World Series can afford to hand out that kind of deal to a 36-year-old pitcher. Because like I said, ideally, you know, you know, ideally you get three years of Will Harris, 2019 version. But maybe, but maybe you're the best case you're thinking is like, all right, we'll at least have him for next year and maybe 2021. But then everything gets thrown up, you know, in the garbage when the pandemic hits and then... The team starts playing poorly and injuries hit exactly. and then they decide to do the rebuild. Uh, but his final line as a member of the Nationals, 23 and two-thirds innings pitch, 28 hits, gave up 12 earned runs, 12 walks, and 30 strikeouts and recorded one save in those 28 games. Of course, the most games he appeared in was in that shortened 2020 campaign. So 
honestly just hope Will Harris can get healthy and, and try to get back out there and pitch again. But um, if, if, that, if that's his career, that's an unfortunate way for yeah. a, a pretty successful, successful long career to end. Um, a really good relief pitcher. Yeah, and then you kind of have, I think, Erasmo Ramirez, another reliever on this list who's kind of the opposite end where I'd say he's probably the shortest thing on this list that the Nationals will deal contract yeah. to. He had, he threw 86 in the third innings for the Nationals this year, pitched to a 292 ERA. He gave Davey Martinez some depth. He made some spot starts. He was able to eat up a lot of innings in that bullpen. Um, he was... I think I gave him the highest grade out of any reliever in this bullpen. Um, so I think he's. It, it would make sense for the Nationals to bring him back more than anybody else on this list. I agree. I think this is one of the sure things that um, the Nationals will do this offseason. Um, if they are already handing out a deal to a minor league deal to uh, it's just gonna be a the, it's gonna be a major league deal i think ramirez pitched well enough to get a major league deal from somebody i would think right. it's not gonna be it'll be somewhere along the lines of like a one year one million one and a half whatever it might be um but i don't you know it just that's kind of like it goes back to you were talking about not sure what dave uh mike rose can do right now in terms of handing out money so it's gonna kind of have maybe uh, have to work the books a little bit to see where Erasmo Ramirez fits in and what deal he'll accept. But you're right. I, I do think. I mean, he earned only earned seven hundred thousand dollars this year right. on a minor league deal. Now he obviously earned a you know a pay raise from how he pitched this year. He was the Nationals pitcher of the year as voted on by the media. Uh, so I, I think that there's definitely a fit. We know Dave Martinez loves having him. It's just gonna be a matter of would he trade you know, being comfortable staying here in Washington or will someone out there give him a, maybe a bigger deal the Nationals aren't willing to give him? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the he, he's not going to get a ton no, of money. No, it's not going to be know. that Will Harris deal. Yeah, but like, Exactly, exactly. And you, with relievers, you really never know. I mean, this was the best year of his career. You don't know next year if he's going to be true. able to, you know, uh, reproduce what he was able to do this year. But that is just the type of guy that you need in this bullpen that you're not going to owe a, a lot of money to, but you know, they found, you know, success last year. You saw it with your team. Um, plus maybe he's a guy, he's finds a lot of success through the first half of the season. You're able to flip him next year for, you know, it's not going to be for a lot, but for something, yeah. uh, they weren't able to do that with any of their relievers this year. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I, don't, I can't pull a team name out of, a hat and, and tell you who this will be, but like, I'm, what if a team you know gives offers him two years or a multi year deal, right. short term, but like multi year deal, and the Nationals just aren't willing to do that, given he's thirty two years old and where the state of the franchise is right now. Like, you know, we're not we can't commit to a thirty two year old relief pitcher for more than a year and right they now. Shouldn't. Nor yeah, correct, correct. Yep. So it's gonna be. I, there's definitely a fit. I think the Nationals would like to bring Erasmo back. It's just gonna be will someone out there you know want him more? And be like, hey, you played an important role on a bad team. Why don't you come play an important role on a good team yeah. um, next year? So that'll be up to him. Now, what he does really well, gets his cutter into lefties. He throws his sinker a lot to righties. Um, Mark Zuckerman mentioned that, you know, if he develops his curveball a little bit more, he could be a really effective mm -hmm. reliever. And even, you mentioned spot starter. That's a three-pitch repertoire that you could use and, you know, not be a a part of the rotation, but you can also say, Hey, I got three pitches. I can give I you can a spot start, start yeah. here and there. Um, so that's something to for, if he does come back to look out for, for Erasmo and to improve on next year, uh, keep using his cutter and sinker, but also develop that curveball a little more. He didn't throw very often, but when he did, um, didn't get hit. Um, so 
Let's stick with the pitchers. We've got two more pitches before we talk about the lone uh, position player left on this list. Two interesting uh, candidates here, both starters now. Let's start with Joe Ross, 29-year-old right-handed pitcher. Of course, arrived in the three-team trade from the Padres in December 2014. That also netted Trey Turner. He made $2.4 million this year and had to go undergo his second Tommy John of his career um, in June. His first was back in 2017. That's, of course, about a year, year and a half recovery time. So you're thinking, you know, if he does pitch in 2023, it probably won't be until after the All-Star break at the earliest because you got to get cleared at probably around the year mark. And then, you know, you have to go on a couple of rehab assignments and build up your arm strength. So it's a very tough situation for Joe Ross. I mean, we talked a little bit about this when it was announced he needed his Tommy John surgery. You're entering your free agent season, having had Tommy John in the middle of the season, which basically takes out at least the first half of next season. I kind of equate this to Doolittle in that I don't know team out there knows Joe Ross better than the Nationals, so it might only make sense for him to re-sign here. And that might even have to be on a minor league deal because he won't be pitching for the first couple months of the year. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna probably see Joe Ross until Joe Ross until July. Um, even, you know, before he had his second Tommy John surgery, he was still kind of competing for, you know, that fifth starter spot. So it still wasn't even a short thing before that. Um, I think it doesn't hurt, you know, you bring him back on a minor league deal. He's been rehabbing with the team, so I think you know, it everything realistically is you're gonna see a reunion with Joe Ross. Um and I don't think you would, you're would you going to see him pitch anywhere else, right. uh, given that it is the second Tommy John. You know, We don't really know the future for Joe Ross, but I think you'll, you'll see maybe a minor league deal and then kind of go from there. Um, but you're not even going to see him for the first half of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't – I just – it's not a knock on Joe. I don't know what team will take a, sh- a chance on a pitcher that's coming off a second Tommy John. And, you know, we, Nationals have a history of, you know, working with pitchers who undergo that surgery and that procedure. So – could be a fit for them but you know i don't know also i don't know what you can expect to get out of him that's moving insane. forward i mean it's gonna even if he does pitch next year you're probably not getting the good version of joe ross until 2024 right i mean like it, or at least late into next season because he's gonna need to ramp up his arm again you know he hasn't pitched that much over the past couple of seasons remember he opted out in 2020 and then he only pitched in uh um what was it uh 20 games, 19 starts last year to a 417 ERA when five and nine, only 108 innings. So he has not pitched that much over the past three seasons. Exactly. Different reasons, of course, but he also, I think, missed the first half of 2019, right? Um, uh, to an injury or something like that. And he came back and, of course, made that historic, or not start. historic, heroic start um, in the World Series. But even if he does come back, and hopefully he does, I don't know what you can expect to get out of him you're not looking at any kind of reasonable production until 2024. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even know what to really expect out of Joe Ross before the second Tommy John. Mm. So we really don't know what to expect out of him now. So really his only, you know, potential to pitch with a major league team next year, I think is with the Nationals. Yeah, it's a 426 ERA in 98 games, 76 starts in his career uh, with the Nationals, 26 and 28 record, 1331 whip uh, for Joe Ross. So again, wish him the best, wish him a healthy recovery and speedy recovery, but 
maybe the only logical reason or fit for him would be a minor league deal to return to the Nationals. But at that point, he might be 30 years old, and that's, that's a tough place to start for a pitcher who had a lot of promise coming up right. um, for the Nationals. All right, now on the other side, let's go to someone who's 10 years older than Joe Ross, <laughs> Honeyball Sanchez, 39 years old, right-handed pitcher. Of course, there's also parallels to Sean Doolittle as well. Everyone and nationals and DC loves on ball, what he meant to the clubhouse, what he meant to that 2019 run. Um, and what he did this past year. I mean, he came back, had a really tough injury with his neck impingement to start the season. Didn't pitch until the second half of the year struggled with his first couple of ones, but then we talked about it on our pitching uh, podcast. He was one of their best, if not their best starter down the stretch. Um, I, I don't see a marriage again next year, unfortunately, but it's one of those things where like, at least he went on on a high note because he pitched well at the end of the season. Yeah. He's another one of those guys that if they were to bring him back, it's like, okay, now like, just like the argument that you could have said for Sean Doolittle, it's like, let's not push our luck. You know, it's been fun. It's a good story, but you don't have to keep bringing back these types of players. But like you said, Annie ball was their best starter down the last stretch of the season um and you couldn't have asked for more from him down those through the last few weeks through his last few starts um he said he wants to continue pitching he's one of those guys that probably if he's going to continue pitching it would have to be with the nationals like you know yeah what what kind of team would go after any ball sanchez um you know in a year like this but i guess we'll see because i don't really see them bringing him back uh, another it would have to be a, a a team that's in the same situation like the Nationals. It would have yeah. to be like the Athletics or the Royals are a little farther around. I don't know, but pick your team that finished at the bottom of the barrel last year um, that just needs, you know, a body, right, to, to, to eat up some innings um, if Anibal can do that. Now, I will say I'm not completely closing the door on Anibal because as we see in spring training all the time, injuries happen. You know, you're probably going to need – 10 starters for the full season, right? I mean, including spot starts and, and guys coming up and down from the minor leagues. Right. So I could see a late spring training minor league deal being, if no one else, because like you said, I agree with you, who else is going to take a shot on Omniball other than the Nationals? I don't think there's a lot of teams out there. The short, that's a short list. And I think the Nationals are more likely to do so. I would take the field though. I don't, again, I couldn't tell you who that is, but I think it's more likely he ends up somewhere else on a similar deal with a similar club, a, a rebuilding team that just needs a veteran to be a presence in the clubhouse and eat up some innings for them if you can stay healthy. Yeah, I think the Nationals fans would much rather see them bring, you know, not bring any ball back and bring in somebody that can fill that, you know, fifth starter role that's like a little bit more reliable, can mm -hmm. eat up some more innings um, and is more of like a middle of the road or even, you know, bottom, you know, close to the bottom, but better than Andy Ball Sanchez, yeah. more reliable, younger can pitch for a few years. In 14 games, this 14 starts this year, he pitched to a negative 0.2 Fangraphs war and a 0.8 baseball reference war. I think the Nationals can find a replacement level yeah. player for that for not as much. He made $2 million this year, even off a minor league deal once he made the major league club. Um, for maybe half of that amount and, you know, not that old. <laughs> That's, right. I try to say that nicely, but like not his age, you know, nine or 10 years younger, maybe even five years, you know, just a middle mid to early thirties level pitcher instead of a guy who's bordering 40 years old. Um, I think they can find a replacement level pitcher to fill that role and bolster their starting rotation. Right. It was a good story. You right. know, he had some really good starts down the stretch, but 
it's really not sustainable. Yeah. Um, as we hear, and something's going on, something's going around on outside of our of studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. After that's all the pitchers. Um, for Hernandez is Cesar our Hernandez last. is our last one infielder. Well, infield utility. It's called him utility because he did play a little yeah. bit in the outfield at the end of the season. 32 years old, was a free agent signing before the lockout, $4 million this year. He signed last November, a year from today, but he only, he played 147 games. So, you know, he was useful in that instance and right. he probably would have played more if, you know, they hadn't made the acquired CJ Abrams um, and bumped Luis Garcia over to second base. But, just there was I, it was just a bad year for for him and you know like nelson cruz it's no one's fault really but this is not what the nationals or cesar envisioned when you know they agreed to to terms he only hit for 248 only hit one home run 34 rbis i know he was leading off a lot so the rbis probably won't there but he's 10 he stole 10 bases he only walked 45 times ops of 629 um he had a negative defensive run saves at second base where he played the most. Um, and then he is, his war was just over 1.5 per fan grass, 0.7 per baseball reference. Yeah, Cesar was like Nelson Cruz, like Steve Ciszek, one of those guys that the Nationals got that was a veteran. They were taking a chance on him, maybe hoping that they had enough production through the first half of the season that they were able to flip him at the deadline. Cesar Hernandez just didn't do that. They couldn't deal him at the deadline. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, by the end of the season, it kind of turned into dead weight, kind of like Michael Franco did. Yeah. And he ended up hitting a total of 21 homers back in 2021 between Cleveland and the Chicago White Sox um, to go along with 62 RBIs. I'm not saying he needed to be a power bat, but I, we, I think we were expecting him to hit more than one home run mm -hmm. and drive in more than 34 yeah. runs this year. So um, he scored 64. As your leadoff hitter, you probably want a little more than that. Um, and by probably, I mean definitely. I mentioned the defensive numbers, it, they, especially at second base, not very well over there. Um, and now there's no place for him now because it's C.J. Abrams and Luis Garcia. You're not going to run him out in left field or even right field mm -hmm. um, every single night because you have uh, outfielders coming back that can take out those innings. Um, so there's just not a I'm not saying that the Nationals don't need a utility player like Cesar Hernandez. I'm just saying it's not going to be a fit for him specifically because of the poor production last year and because of, you know, he's 32 years old. They can probably find someone else, like I just said for Anibal, a replacement level player for him to come off the bench. Right, exactly. He was a placeholder, temporary. It doesn't make sense to bring him. Yeah. So like we said at the top of the conversation, the Nationals have until Thursday uh, to negotiate with these guys. Um, I think we're both counting on Rasmus Ramirez being back uh, and then possibly later on in uh, the offseason, Joe Ross and maybe Anibal Sanchez to minor league deals um, as they become free agents. Um, I think first time Joe Ross is becoming a free agent in his mm -hmm. career. So um, tough way for him to enter that for the first time. Yeah, and baseball free agency, it like, seems like it moves slow, you know, mm -hmm. and it'll like a, a bunch of moves will really happen at once, but it moves slow. And especially with these names, these type of guys, you're not going to see, you know, contracts, whatever they may be until, you know, really probably close to spring training. Right. Yeah. Well, things will start heating up um, maybe around the winter meetings. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll also have the deadline to tender or non-tender contracts to, to guys, so that will be uh, interesting. That will open up some spots. The Nationals also have to protect a couple of players from the Rule 5 draft, which is back this year. Um, so, 
yes, the free agent part probably will be a little slow, but there will be some roster movement happening over the next month or so leading up to the holiday season before it kind of takes a break before getting into the new year and then ramping up for spring training. So right. it's not going to be as slow as our path to off seasons with COVID and a lockout, but it is, you know, especially for the nationals team that we talked about probably isn't going to be, you know, on the forefront of signing a lot of major guys. You're going to see a lot of minor league deals, mm -hmm. not too many major league contracts signed out. There's not going to be too many. I don't think trades that they're going to make. I don't think they're in a position to deal any veterans for prospects at this point, that's going to come at the deadline during the season. So it might be a quiet, slow paced off season for the nationals, but there are still things that will happen. Yeah. There'll be moves made, but the next few weeks, particularly might be slow, except for Bobby, because he gets married this weekend. Uh, yeah, I get married on Saturday. It's been a, it's, yeah, it's an exciting week. Um, I will not be on the podcast next week. Um, Amy will be uh, on her own figuring it out how to pull to put together the show. I'll be on my honeymoon, but I'll be back the week before Thanksgiving uh, if we decide to do a pod right there. And then, of course, uh, the next couple of weeks leading up to Christmas. Where are you going on your honeymoon? Costa Rica. No. -uh. Yeah, Costa Rica. Oh, my we goodness. It. Uh, I found a resort on the Pacific Coast side. Um, How fun. Yeah, we leave the Monday after our wedding. So we leave mon early Monday morning and then come back uh, the following weekend. They grow up so fast, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm older than all of you. Look at him go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Amy will be back next week. Uh, big shout out to Brendan Mortensen for, actually, before we wrap up, uh, because they officially announced the uh, MLB draft lottery, which is happening at the winter meetings Please too. Stop. That Tuesday, Nationals have a 16.5% chance to land the number one overall pick. That is a date to keep in mind as well. And they officially do have... That does not affect the Rule 5 draft. They have the number one overall pick in the Rule 5 draft the following day. So those are two big days True. to keep an eye out for at the winter meetings, that Tuesday and Wednesday to wrap up the winter meetings in San Diego. Um, those I, I, We'll talk more about it as we get closer and when I get back from my honeymoon, but I can't imagine the Nationals do not select anybody. When you have the number one pick in a Rule 5 draft and you're in a rebuild, you have to take a shot on somebody because those are going to be some top-level players, For sure. close to major league-ready players that are going to be available because not everyone can be protected. So I think they should be doing their due diligence and making selections in that in that draft while also hopefully getting the number one overall pick in next year's uh, amateur draft. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Those will be an exciting yeah. few days. Yeah. I so, think so. Yeah. So, of course, we'll have a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks, but like I said, Amy, good luck next week. Shout out to Brendan Morrison for producing the show behind the scenes and Good Paul Mancano. Thank <laughs> you. It's not like, it's just, I'm not like scared or like nervous. I'm just, it's like, it's all the last minute planning Let's, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. I'm so, we're so excited, but it's just like, oh, we got to, you know, get Do the this. sheeting chart. We got to yeah, get, it's just a lot of small things you have to get ready for. Yeah. So, um, it's just, it's going to be great. Yeah. Can't I'm wait. I'm excited to see pictures. Just got to get through like Thursday. Once we get to like the rehearsal dinner, it's all systems it's go. Full send. Yeah. It's just full sense. So <laughs> like, very exciting. Um, yeah. And then I'll see everyone back in a couple of weeks. You'll see Amy back next week right here. Be sure to subscribe to the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and hit subscribe and notifications on YouTube and Facebook, the Mass and Nationals pages. We go live every single Wednesday at one o'clock. Make us a part of your lunch break. Uh, at Amy Jennings News on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Mass and Nationals across the board for all your off-season coverage this year leading up to the 2023 season. Amy will be back next week. I'll be back in two weeks. We'll see you then. 